This podcast contains foul language, dark humor, and graphic content. It is not a commentary on the death penalty, nor does it represent our personal opinions on the matter. You've been warned, so just be cool. All right, this week we are going to discuss kind of a Robin Hood figure, or at least a guy who, since his death, has very much been turned into Robin Hood by pop culture. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'll bite. This man has his own 18th century ballad written about him. Dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really dope. <laughs> oh, I'm Nancy. I'm Drew, and I want a ballad written about me. Oh, and this is Death Row Kitchen. <laughs> Death Row Kitchen. <laughs> Welcome to Death Row Kitchen, where the crimes are real and the food does not matter. I'm Nancy, a true crime addict. And I'm Drew, an armchair detective. Join us as we explore the life and crimes of death row inmates and their curious choices in last meals. Well, let's just dive right into this one. I'm excited for this one. Okay, break it down. All right. This week, we're going all the way back to the 1700s for our criminal de jour. We are discussing Richard Dick Turpin as common for the time back then. We do not know Dick's exact date of birth. However, we do know he is born at the Bluebell Inn in Hempstead, Essex, and he will be baptized on September 21st, 1705. Dick is the fifth of six children born to John Turpin and Mary Elizabeth uh, Parmenter. Yeah, yeah. I say so. Parmenter. Yeah. John is a butcher and an innkeeper. That sounds like a good gig for the time period. Right. Dick very, very Wheel of Time-esque. Yeah. Very <laughs> Dungeons is. and Dragons-esque. Yes, it is. I want to be an innkeeper. I think that'd be so much fun. Maybe it not the too. butcher part, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dick received... Definitely innkeeper, though. Yeah. Definitely innkeeper. <laughs> Dick receives a rudimentary ed- education, learning how to read and write. After finishing his school, Dick follows in his father's footsteps and is apprenticed to a butcher in nearby Whitechapel. The Whitechapel? Yes, and this is early enough that Whitechapel is its own separate village. It is not a suburb of London yet. Nice. Yeah. 1725. Dick marries Elizabeth Millington. The young couple move north to Buckhurst Hill, Essex. There, Dick opens his own butcher shop. In 1733, Dick also becomes the owner of a local pub, the Rosen Crown. I know that. Right? I. There are a lot of Rosen Crown pubs in England, so I don't know if it was the same one owned by last week's Albert Pierpont, but... Probably not. That would be weird if it was. That would be weird, but at the same time, Z's. Right. 
Yeah. In my, in my head, it's the same in. Like, I'm just going to pretend it is. I'm going to as well. And now it's like a Marvel Universe thing. It's like the thing that exists and connects all the stories. <laughs> yeah. Everything takes place in the Rosencrown. <laughs> Every person we have covered has some connection to the Rosencrown. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Someone write that story. Get on it. Okay. Back to the actual story. During the 1700s, poaching deer was a very serious problem and crime. Various gangs of thieves would roam the local forests hunting deer that technically belonged to the king. In 1723, the Black Act is enacted. This outlaws the blackening or disguising of faces while in the forest. So I'm assuming that's a method of, of hunting. Like, um, you do, I mean, you, some hunters do that nowadays. Yeah, that's I mean, all about concealment. Yeah, not only is it like camouflage, but also just a way of disguising yourself so you can't be like, oh, hey, that's. Can't be recognized. Yeah, exactly. That's Todd over there hunting the king's deer. Hey, Todd. Yep. <laughs> Why are you hunting the king's deer? <laughs> um, everybody knows that uh, English peasants are basically southern people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, King of the Hill is one of the best BBC productions to come out. I mean, you (laughs) know it by Trove. (laughs) God, I want Hank Hill to be British. Run. (laughs) Oh, damn it, Bobby. (laughs) Additionally, in 1737, those convicted of poaching can be punished with seven years transportation to the colonies. Those Hmm. who help authorities identified poachers are rewarded with up to 50 pounds. This is 8,000 pounds in today's money. So probably a little closer to 9,000 in US dollars. So that's a nice hefty chunk of change. Yes, it is. That don't jiggle jiggle. It folds. (laughs) That's been stuck in my head all day. (laughs) I... I, it it I might be my favorite song ever. Yes. My money don't jiggle jiggle. jiggle. It, it folds. folds. <laughs> it's just so great. It's just so great. It's monotone. like Yoda saying it. It is. It is. Just the monotone <laughs> is fantastic. Like it's, it's yeah, it's kind of nice to chant. It's kind of it calming. Is. Anyway. Um, okay. So that is a lot of change. Um, I'm, I I think this is like the same time period that the British are doing this in, which is like around the world, like Australia in particular of like a, that's more of like a prison colony. Um, but you'll be outlawed, you'll be transported to the colonies, Mm -hmm. like, like going to the colonies is a punishment. Yes. Absolutely. Some kind of, of state sanctioned retribution. Yes. Absolutely. So the Black Act actually did very little to curtail poaching. And by the 1730s, a gang of thieves is hunting in the royal forest of Waltham, Essex. This gang, known as the Gregory Gang, is looking for a fence to help them process the deer meat they have. Who better to fence stolen meat than a butcher? The Gregory Gang, consisting of brothers Samuel, Jeremiah, and Jasper Gregory, Joseph Rose, John Jones, Thomas Rowden, and John Wheeler, approached Dick as the local butcher, 
and offer him a cut of their ill-gotten gains in exchange for helping them process their stolen deer meat. Dick agrees and becomes a member of the Gregory Gang. October 1734, several members of the gang are captured or flee for their lives. The remaining members of the gang, including Dick, raid the Woodford home of Peter Split, a local chandler and grocer. What's a chandler again? I think that is not like a candle maker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a candle maker. I think you're right. That sounds right. Right. Um, But this is... So it sounds like Dick processed their stolen deer meat for them for a while, but this is the actual first crime crime he participates in with the gang. So now he's like this mafia's butcher, a fish. Yeah. Yep, officially. Two nights later, the Woodford home of Richard Woolridge, a furnisher of small arms and the office of ordnance at the Tower of London, is also raided by the gang. That is a hell of a employment title. Yes, it is. I want that on December card. <laughs> oh my god, we should totally, totally have that on a business card. <laughs> I don't know. Good idea. The real power one, it might get upset. I mean, we'll just give him the third. Yeah, that's fine. Amendment. We don't have to court you. I totally stole that from Robert Evans. Because <laughs> I just thought it was such a great fucking hilarious joke about the Third Amendment. All right, moving on. But I'm serious, so I'll do it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. That's a lot of names. Yes. Okay. December... 1734, Samuel and Jasper Gregory, John Jones, and John Wheeler attack the Chingford home of John Gladwin and John Shockley. Was there any other name? No. Uh-uh. Everybody's then just John? Trying. Like, that's... They... That... Okay. Yep. We didn't have any? We didn't have... We didn't have any? Nope. Nothing else. Okay. December 19th, 1734, Dick and five other Gregory gang members raid the home of Ambrose Skinner. Mr. Skinner is a 73-year-old farmer living in the area of Barking. The gang makes off with 300 pounds. Huh. That's a pretty good haul. Yeah. December 21st, the gang attacks the home of Epping Forest gamekeeper William Mason. One of Mason's servants is able to escape and rouse the gamekeeper's neighbors. By the time the neighbors reach Mason's house, the home was ransacked and the thieves are long gone. In January 11th, 1735, the Gregory gang continues their hijinks and raids the Charlton home of a Mr. Saunders. One week later, Dick, along with six other masked and armed men, arrive at the house of Reverend Dide. Reverend Dide is away from home, but his manservant, yes, his manservant, is home. The armed robbers cut the manservant around his face in a, quote, barbarous manner. Well, that does sound very uh, gnarly, actually. Like, that right. sounds kind of, that sounds, um... That sounds like something from True Detective, like yes. what the cartels do. Yes. Like he yeah. specified, because I've, I've 
rewatch that like three times because <laughs> it's perfect. It's it's perfect television. Just the first season. Um, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't even think I finished anyway. the second season. I don't oh. think I did either. Third oh. was third was decent. Third was decent. Yeah. Third was better than second. Yeah. Still wasn't any but, uh, first season. Oh no, first season is is just uh, untouchable. Yes, absolutely. Highly recommend uh, that you pirate that shit. Um, yes. <laughs> so okay, these guys so are. He cuts this guy's fucking face. Yep. Yeah. So these guys are not not nice. They're kind of assholes. No, that's some hooligan shit. Oh yeah. And it gets worse on February 1st, 1735. An account of a raid is detailed in Reed's Weekly Journal. Quote, On Saturday night last, about 7 o'clock, five rogues enter the house of the widow Shelley at Launton in Essex, having pistols, etc., and threaten to murder the old lady if she would not tell them where her money lay, which she obstinately, obstinately refusing for some time, they threatened to lay her across the fire if she did not instantly tell them, which she did not do. But her son, being in the room and threatened to be murdered, cried out he would tell them if they would not murder his mother, and did. Whereupon they went upstairs and took near 100 pounds, a silver tankard, and other plate, and all manner of household good. They afterwards went into the cellar and drank several bottles of wine, broiled some meat, ate the relics of a fillet of veal. While they were doing this, two of their gang went to Mr. Turgles, a farmer who rents one end of the widow's house, and robbed him of about 20 pounds. And then they all went off, taking two of the farmer's horses to carry off their luggage. The horses were found on Sunday the following morning in Old Street and stayed about three hours in the house. Huh. Terrorizing fucking people. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of. I guess I guess what would be called um, disorganized. Yes, very disorganized. Uh, also interesting, they're gonna like hang out in the house for a couple of hours, and, like eat their food and drink her wine. Yeah, like that's that's a certain level of don't give a fuck. Yes, absolutely, it is. G-G-D-G-A-F. Gregory yep. Gang, don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, the Gregory Gang members, they live in and around London. Dick often stays in the town of Whitechapel, but he does travel to and from the town of Millbank, depending on where the gang is currently active. February 4th, 1735, Dick meets with John Fielder, Samuel Gregory, Joseph Rose, and John Wheeler at a inn along Broadway in London. The five men sit over tankards of ale and lay out their plan to raid the home of Joseph Lawrence, a prosperous farmer living at Earlsbury Farm in Edgware. The gang wraps up at this pub and they head towards Earlsbury Farm. They stop twice more for food and more drinks because, I mean, yeah, fuck it. You've got to be well-fueled. <laughs> yeah. For, for uh, what is it? Beyond disturbing the peace, it's, um, 
Not indecent exposure. They're, like, disorderly conduct. That's it. They're a menace to society. Yeah. As the gang gets closer to Edgeware, they capture a shepherd boy. It's unclear exactly why they do this or what they do with the shepherd boy. Terrorizer's gonna terrorize. Absolutely. Uh, arriving at Earlsbury Farm, the gang burst into the house armed with pistols. They bind two maidservants and brutally attack 70-year-old Joseph Lawrence. First, the gang pulls Mr. Lawrence's breeches down about his ankles. They then Shut drag up. him. Oh, yep. They then drag him around the house, demanding that Mr. Lawrence tell them where his money is. He refuses. Dick beats Mr. Lawrence's bare buttocks with his pistol, badly bruising the elderly man. Other gang members beat Mr. Lawrence about his head with their pistols. A kettle of Fuck boiling yeah. water is emptied over Mr. Lawrence's head. The <gasps> gang then forces the elderly farmer to sit on his fire with his bare buttocks. Mr. Lawrence is then pulled around his house by his hair and his nose. How the hell did this man not have a heart attack already? I... Uh, this is a horrific attack. I'm shook, Nance. I... Uh, right? Like, there's a little yeah. bit of... I don't want to say nostalgia, but like, rose-colored glassness that comes with this being such an older crime, but like, this is fucking barbaric. Yeah. To a 70-year-old man. Right? And it's in, it's insult to injury, it's degrading. I... And it, it, it's sadistic. It's, yes. it's very much sadistic. Yep. And frenzied. There's rage. Yep. And like, wanton, unchecked masculinity. Yeah, and they're clearly all the gang members are feeding off each other during this. Yeah, like they're almost competing. Yeah. Like they're going to get more and like progressively more deranged. Yes. Yep. I, I predict. Am I right? Well, read the next sentence. You're not wrong. Oh, great. Okay. Samuel Gregory takes one of the maidservants upstairs and does what you do when you take women against their will. Um, he rapes her. Yep. For all of this, the Gregory gang makes off with less than 30 pounds. Ugh. That's gross. Yep. Yep. Which... And I mean, at this time... You raid houses that you either have heard rumors that these people have money or appear to be prosperous. But at like this point, less than 30 pounds, they're doing it because they enjoy the violence. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, um, in, a, in a very different way. It's kind of like the one we did where the guy was most likely innocent and it was his friend who happened to like the grocery store yes assassination yes we're like this just does not it's not about money yep yep like it's very clearly not about money 
it, yes. So, February 7th, Dick, along with several gang members and two additional robbers, William Saunders and Humphrey Walker, raid a farm located in the village of Marlebone. The gang makes off with less than 90 pounds. February 8th, the Duke of Newcastle offers a reward of 50 pounds for the apprehension of persons involved in the Woodford robberies and the attacks on Reverend Dyde's manservant. February 11th, gang members John Fielder, John Wheeler, and William Saunders are arrested. Three men are captured after stopping at an Edgeware alehouse on their way to rob another household. The owner of the alehouse recognized the men's horses and called for the parish constable. I would not recognize a fucking horse. <laughs> they all look, they're all brown. <laughs> they're all fucking horses. <laughs> I mean, and I love horses as much as somebody who's like very, very casually ridden. Like, yeah, English and Western. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but like very, very casual. Yeah. Well, I guess and I can't. You know, a horse is a horse is a horse. <laughs> right. I guess if it's like your yeah. only mode of transportation, like you're going to pay more attention to them. But yeah, no, I would be. Right. I I They're like know. the cars of their days. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. That that's what everybody is using. So yeah, I don't know. I'm also still terrible at identifying cars. So I think I'd be. I am also terrible at identifying cars. <laughs> like, thank God for patient Lyft drivers. Yeah, Uber drivers. Oh, thank yeah. you. Damn. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, calling the parish constable, which is just a hilarious thing that exists. Yes. John Wheeler, who is only 15 years old, immediately tattles on his colleagues, giving authorities descriptions on the gang members who are still running about free. Dick's description is published in the London Gazette. Quote, Richard Turpin, a butcher by trade, is a tall, fresh-colored man, very much marked with the smallpox, about 26 years of age, about 5 feet 9 inches high. That's pretty tall for the day. Mm -hmm. um, he, he lived some time ago in Whitechapel and did lately lodge somewhere about Millbank, Westminster, wears a blue-gray coat and a natural wig. <laughs> Dick, reading this description of himself, informs the remaining members of the Gregory gang about Wheeler's capture and betrayal. The remaining gang members flee the area. February 15, 1735, the gang robs the Chingford home of Mrs. St. John. After this robbery, Dick and Thomas Rowden split from the other gang members. Dick heads to Hampstead to visit his family. Two days later, February 17th, Samuel Gregory and Herbert Haynes stop at an alehouse in Devon. They order a round of drinks and a shoulder of mutton. As the two men eat their lunch, a citizen recognizes them and calls for the parish constable. The parish constable. It's so cute. It is adorable. <laughs> a fight ensues, but Samuel and Herbert escape. They manage to join back up with Dick John Jones, and Thomas Rowden. The gang then returns to robbing homes in Woodford. As February ends and March begins, the gang hides out in Epping Forest, trying to keep their heads down until the heat dies down. 
February 23rd, three more gang members, John Rose, John Walker, and Mary Brazier, are captured in Westminster as they take a break to drink some punch. <laughs> I have very, very British. Between February 26th and March 1st of 1735, all of the captured gang members are tried at the Middlesex General Session. John Walker dies in Newgate Prison after being convicted of burglary. March 10th, John Rose, John Fielder, and William Saunders are hanged at the Tyburn Gallows in London. The bodies of the executed gang members are displayed in Gibbet's Lining, Edgware Road. March 8th, Jasper Gregory is captured and executed after another robbery by the gang. March 30th, Dick tries to steal a horse from a servant of the Earl of Suffolk. The servant successfully fights Dick off. Good for you, servant. Fuck this guy. April 9th, Samuel and Jeremiah Gregory are arrested in Wake, West Sussex. They do not go down without a fight, engaging in a struggle with the constables. Samuel loses the tip of his nose to a sword, and Jeremiah is shot in the leg. He will later die in jail from this wound. Ah, oh, brutal. Right? Yeah. This is like some gross. gross like, these are all horrific people and totally deserve, but this is like some real swashbuckling shit. This is some swashbuckling shit. Like, but it's honest <laughs> swashbuckling shit. Like, it was like this. Yep. Shitty like this. Pirates were not good people. <laughs> nope, they were not. Uh, all right, so Samuel Gregory is tried in May and found guilty of various crimes. June 4th, Sam is executed at the gallows. His body is hung next to the rest of the gang members along Edgware Road. Always like a statement. Right? Nothing says yeah. a statement like bodies and giblets. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like advertising. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is my fucking <laughs> brand. I'll murder bodies. you and hang you as a decoration outside my palace. Oh, you know, somebody might think twice of becoming a poacher and General Nudnik. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, trigger warning, skip like a minute forward from here. So, apparently, um, the same Mehmet II who conquered Constantinople, mm -hmm. um, he actually grew up with v Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler, like, grew up with Mehmet II in Mehmet's palace. So like they oh. were actually like childhood frenemies. And then when they grew up, they like both like fought the shit out of each other. And there's a story of like them just like subterfuge back and forth. And then basically Vlad just gets tired of it. And he takes an entire like camp of Ottomans and he impales them along the yeah. streets in like this whole city and Mehmet and his army show up and apparently Mehmet just kind of like goes into the city and it's like throbbing with like the cries of people dying and and like it's quiet other than that and I guess he just like looks around and then just turns around and walks out and like Whoa. takes his army 
back to Constantinople. Yeah, that's a pretty effective uh, advertisement. <laughs> right, and it like it, it historians like remark that it like wasn't clear at the time. Like, was he scared? Or was he impressed? Like, like oh, Maybe I gotta give it to ball. this guy. Yeah. All right, never mind, guys. Uh, think we uh think we're outmatched on this one. Right. Outmatched and crazy. <laughs> yeah. Outmatched and outclassed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Cool beans. All right. That's my story. Uh, Mary Brazier or Brazier, the only. F- <laughs> I hope it's not Mary Bra. Mary Brazier, the only female member of the gang, is convicted as well. Instead of a death sentence, she is transported to the colonies. April 13th, gang member Herbert Haynes is captured and then he is executed in August. 15-year-old gang member John Wheeler is freed. He testified against his fellow gang members and is spared a trial and punishment. He will die from natural causes in January of 1738, which makes him... 18, and I don't know what natural causes an 18-year-old die from. Uh, uh, the, the air? Right, yeah. Gangrene, a common cold. Uh, fucking dysentery, a cut. Right. Like tetanus Cholera, or some shit. Who knows? Yeah. Fucking gout. Yeah. <laughs> Old age. <laughs> the Native Americans, the French. Who knows? All Definitely of the, the British. All of the above, um, probably. I don't, I'm not actually quite sure when Canada was officially formed. It's like Canada now. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. A lot. A lot to be worried about. And yeah. it doesn't get any better. Honestly, the Wild West is just as bad. Um, it doesn't get any, any better from this point. History sucks, guys. Yep. Okay. So, this 18-year-old that died of natural causes... <laughs> Uh, now that nearly all of the other Gregory gang members have been captured and punished, Dick finds himself on his own. Now he has to turn to highway robbery to support himself. As, yeah, that's that's definitely, like, the obvious next career move for Dick here. Well, absolutely. Dick, knows, known as, the, as Turpin the Butcher, is joined by former Gregory gang member Thomas Rowden, who is known as Thomas the Pewterer. They both start robbing travelers who are passing through the Epping Forest. Very Robin Hood of them, except they don't give to the poor. Very. No, no, and they're bastards. They are not merry men. Nope. Sir, I doth protest. I am not a merry man. (laughs) That's Worf. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's, oh, God, that's one of my favorite episodes. Anyway. I sir, I do protest. I'm not a merry man. <laughs> Local authorities release a statement condemning Dick and Thomas Rowden and offer a bounty of a hundred pounds for the capture of the man. In August, Dick and Thomas hold up a coach on Barnes Common and rob all five passengers. They also attack another coaching party traveling between Putney and Kingston Hill. August 20th, Dick robs a Mr. Godfrey of six guineas and a pocketbook. This guy just can't fucking stop. No, he sure can't. 
Like, <laughs> like this is life. This is me now. Like, this is this is who he is. Yep. Beyond. Yep. It is. Full-heartedly. Dick also begins to move around in an effort to avoid the authorities. He moves from Blackheath to Hertfordshire and then back to London. December 5th, Dick moves back to Winchester and separates from his robbery buddy, old Tommy Rowden. July 1736, Thomas Rowden is convicted of passing a counterfeit coin. He is transported to the colonies. 1736, the rest of that year, very little is known about Dick's activities. There are rumored sightings of him in Holland, but, you know, what, what, what proof? How can you believe? Who not to believe? Exactly. February 1737, Dick is apparently back in England and is spotted in Puckeridge. He sends a letter to his wife to arrange a meeting with her. This letter is intercepted by authorities and they arrange to stake out Dick and Elizabeth's meeting. Dick manages to escape the stakeout and flees to Cambridge. Elizabeth and her maid are arrested on charges of, quote, violent suspicion of being dangerous rogues and robbing upon the highway. Okay. Dangerous rogues. Right. Robbing I'm, upon the highway. Right. I want to be a dangerous rogue. Okay. These ladies are held at the Hertford Jail, and they would both be acquitted of their charges, which is just as well. Exactly. March 1737, Dick holds up and robs a group of peddlers. He is joined by fellow highway robbers Matthew King and Stephen Potter. The three men participate in a string of robberies together. During one of these robberies, Dick steals a horse from a home near Walton Forest. The horse's owner, Joseph Major, reports the theft to his neighborhood and local townshold. The Joseph tracks his horse to the Red Lion Inn in Whitechapel. He alerts the local constables, and together, they stake out the horse. What's its make and model? <laughs> right. Um, Red Lion also sounds very familiar. Yeah, I think and that's I'm kind thinking, of a... And I'm thinking... Well, Red of... Lion, Whitechapel, yeah. like... I feel like that's how I must know it. Probably. It from, like, the Jack the Ripper, Jack the Ripper cases. Probably. Hmm. Um, alright, so we're staking out a horse. Mm -hmm. Cool. John King, the brother of highway robber Matthew King, comes for the horse. He is arrested and immediately gives up his brother, Dick, and Stephen Potter. Matthew King is wounded and dies in the ensuing firefight. There is some evidence that Dick may have actually been the one to shoot Matthew, maybe a case of friendly fire. Stephen Potter is arrested, but is later released for insufficient evidence. Dick manages to escape again, and he flees to Epping Forest. There he is spotted by Thomas Morris, a servant of one of the forest keepers. The gentlemen. The forest keepers? I know. I Sounds like they're fairies. Like little gnomes. I right? know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Gentleman's Magazine details what happens next. Quote, Richard Turpin did on Wednesday the 4th of May last barbarously murder Thomas Morris and commit other notorious 
felonies and robberies near London. His Majesty is pleased to promise his most gracious pardon to any of his accomplices and a reward of £200. Turpin was born at Thaxted in Essex, is about 30, by trade a butcher, about 5 foot 9 inches high, brown complexion, very much marked with the smallpox, his cheekbones broad, his face thinner towards the bottom, his visage short, pretty uptight and broad about the shoulders. I don't know, Dick sounds kind of hot. Dick sounds kind of hot. Right? I like a man with broad shoulders. I like a man with, with smallpox markings. On <laughs> his broad cheekbones and his thin face. It means he survived. He's a fucking survivor. He's ride or die. <laughs> he is. <laughs> now he's got immunity. He's definitely ride or die. Oh, Dick is definitely that. Dick, Dick is definitely die. Because uh, he's on this show. June 1737, Dick stays at the Ferry Inn in Borough under the name of John Palmer. Fucking Johns. He is posing as a horse trader. It seems like he tries to lay low for the next year. However, there are multiple accusations of Dick stealing sheep and horses during this time. So October 2nd, 1737, the crime that brings upon Dick's downfall. Dick shoots another man's gamecock in the middle of the street. Several witnesses rebuke him for this. Dick threatens to shoot them as well. I hate when people shoot my car. Yeah, in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street, no less. I know, how dare he shoot another man's game cock. How undignified. <laughs> for this, Dick is arrested and committed to the House of Correction at Beverly. He does not resist arrest nor deny the shooting of the game cock. It is theorized that he is also depressed. Oh. <laughs> I know. Poor Dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe all that raping wasn't that good for you, hmm? Right. Dick is still going by the name of John Palmer. He is questioned by the authorities regarding several sheep and horse thefts. The authorities suspect that John Palmer is not exactly who he says he is. October 16th, 1738, Dick is transferred to York Castle as authorities further investigate his background. Dick writes a letter to his sister's husband. His brother-in-law refuses to collect the letter. The local postmaster is Dick's former childhood teacher. The teacher recognizes Dick's handwriting and travels to York to identify John Palmer as wanted highwayman Dick Turbin. The teacher will receive the 200-pound reward. Damn, teach. Right, I know. <laughs> but this highwayman who has evaded arrest and capture for years is brought yeah, low yeah. by a rooster and his fucking former elementary school teacher. Yeah, that's a pretty great takedown. Right, I know. I didn't, didn't see that coming. <laughs> Could not have predicted that. Well, great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. March 22nd, 1739, Dick is charged with horse theft and he officially goes to trial. At this time, defendants have no right to legal representation, so there's no defense counsel. Instead, the presiding judge is in charge of the defendant's interests. Yeah, no thanks. 
Yeah, that's not great. I don't trust that. But, I mean, you know, I don't trust our own system, so I don't. <laughs> Maybe I just can't. I just, I can't be pleased. Yeah. So Dick continually insists that he has witnesses who will testify to his character and his innocence. However, no one ever shows up to testify on Dick's behalf. Maybe because he's killed every single person he's come across. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Dick is found guilty and is sentenced to death. Uh, Dick receives multiple visitors during his imprisonment. His jailer earns over a hundred pounds selling drinks to Dick and his friends. Well, what the can, fuck? Right, they could show up to drink with him, but they can't show up to his court case to testify on his behalf. Oh yeah, I'm definitely not showing up to your court case. I don't give a fuck about that. Right. I want to drink in prison. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Right. <laughs> John Turbin, Dick's father, writes him a letter urging him to make his peace with God. Dick refuses to do this. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't seem <clears throat> like the making peace type of guy. Mm-mm. No. Nope. Padre. Uh, the day before his execution, Dick buys himself a new frock coat and shoes. Oh, at least he's going to be stylish. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna make his final drop iconic. Yes. April 7th, 1739 is execution day. Dick hires five mourners to attend his execution for three pounds, ten chilling. What? I, I guess he couldn't get anybody else to show up. They're, again, they're happy to take his drinks, but they're not gonna show up for his trial or his execution. <laughs> That is so rude. It is. It is very rude. But I get it. He's, I'm conflicted. He's a piece of shit. It, like, oh, he totally is. Yeah. So I could see how maybe he didn't have friends. Nah, fuck him. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Dick is taken through York in an open cart to the gallows. A local newspaper account says that Dick, quote, behaved himself with amazing assurance when he bowed to the spectators as he passed. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> Dick. Go fuck yourself. Dick arrives at the gallows. Again, a lo local newspaper says, quote, Turpin behaved in an undaunted manner as he mounted the ladder, feeling his right leg tremble. He spoke a few words to the topsman, then threw himself off and expired in five minutes. Oh. Yeah. He's going out on his own terms. That seems like a long time. Yeah. Well, I feel like you fucked that one up, dick. Oh well, it's okay. <laughs> You're done. Since England still followed the short drop method of hanging, this means the executed is strangled to death instead of their neck being snapped. Dick's body is left hanging all afternoon to ensure that he is in fact dead. His body is then buried in the graveyard at St. George's Church in Fishergate, and um, our buddy would not be okay with that. No, uh-uh. Our, our executioner buddy would not. No. Executioner, grandpa, grandpa executioner. Yep, Albert would not be happy with that at all. Grandpa, grandpa, murder man would not. <laughs> grandpa murder man. Murder man would not be okay with this. This is very, 
Like, no respect, I tell you. No respect. Well, that's because... Like, really, no... No respect for the for the fact that that person's dying. No. Well, that's because the home office hasn't released their table of drop calculations yet. So they don't know how to do the math on it. <laughs> Damn it, people. Um, <laughs> good point. But, yeah, just a very different image than all of the care that, like, we saw a couple weeks ago. Last yeah. episodes. Yep. Um, yes, very the detail, different. like the the measurements, like the science behind it, the art behind it, like looking at the person, not just taking the measurement, but all that shit. Well, like, nah, we're just we're just you know, just as long as his feet don't touch the ground, we'll wait. Right. Also, in very much contrast from last week, with Albert being a professional hangsman, I didn't include this because I couldn't figure out a way of working it in, but now I can. At this time, they didn't have professional executioners. They would pardon another death row inmate on oh. the condition that he acts as the executioner. So this is another, actually, I think he was accused of highway robbery as well, who was pardoned, who is acting as the executioner. It's not somebody who is well-versed in this. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is bat shit. Yes. Yes, it is. It is horrifying. On a totally that is bat shit. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, really, on death row. On death row. On death row. Yep. Yep. Like, hey, who wants to murder this person for no reason? I mean, like, it saves you from being murdered. <laughs> I mean, literally, don't all line up at once. Like, yeah. who's not gonna? And in exchange for killing this person, you know nothing about and has never done anything to you. Not that it matters because you're on death row and you killed people. Uh, all you're you're just gonna like get to go free as long as you kill this guy. Like, are you serious? Are yeah. we thinking of like? Did anybody say that out loud? Like, did anybody say that back? During yeah. that board meeting when this was, was that, decided, was that peer reviewed at all? Right, like, like who who checked the sources on this? Yeah, was yep. this written by a bot? <laughs> they watched over a thousand hours. Yeah, <laughs> this whole thing. I, yeah, okay. So you get what I'm saying, though. Yes, yes, I do, and yes, I agree. Wolf. So, Dick does not remain buried for long. His body is exhumed by a body snatcher and sold to a local surgeon. The locals hear about this, and a mob descends on the surgeon's house. Dick's body is recovered and is reburied in the graveyard. Huh. This episode really has it all. I mean, people are losing body parts and being dragged around their house bare buttocked and being burned and highway <laughs> robbery and deer poaching Jesus. and fucking body snatching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are... This is all very oddly specific. Yes. Yes, it is. This whole episode. <laughs> yeah, right? Pick a direction. Um... Okay, that sounds chaotic, and I, I guess I'm confused as to why. I mean, okay, body snatching, not great, and and very frowned upon in this establishment. establishment. <laughs> 
Well, this um, is also pretty popular this time. I mean, this is where you get people like right. and hair who are actually escalating to serial murder so they can sell bodies to medical colleges. But, yep. Um, but like, I don't, I don't get why people would care about digging up this guy's body. Yeah, it was like just, why the mob response. You know what I mean? Like, I well, don't understand the context. Yeah, everything I read about it said like they just were opposed to body snatching in general. Okay. Not so much it's dick. It's just the the snatching. Okay. As a matter of principle. Yeah. So again, the uh, focus is on the thing that's not alive. Yeah. Okay, so as Dick is being escorted to the gallows, he is allowed a very brief visit to the White Hart on Drury Lane. There, Dick indulges in one last ale. That would that would actually be kind of cool. Right? I, if you could go somewhere for your last meal. Right? And I like Obviously not. Yeah. But I do like it a lot. Yes. Yeah, and I like it. I mean, it shows, I don't know, a little compassion on the authority side. Dick gets to wet his whistle one last time. Everybody wins. Yeah, with, like, real beard, not some prison hooch. Ugh. God. Yeah. Made in a toilet or, uh, if at best, made in a Ziploc. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. Ugh. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yes. Plus, black market, if you get good at that shit, then you can, like, really make money in prison. Right? You can earn all of I the ramen. I don't know I know. Cigarettes. <laughs> I have, like, an underground operation going on. It's, like, You're where like, I really earned my business degree is in prison. Right? You're, like, red from Orange is the New Black. Yeah. <laughs> We've got our finger in every fucking pie, man. Yep, yep, yep. So, pop culture references about Dick start immediately. A ballad about his adventures actually begins circulating in 1737. Man, why do we have to write a ballad about him? I, I don't know. Like, like, at least Irish ballads are about, like, Easter Sunday or Easter Rising. Um, and, like... I don't know. There's something very romantic about highway robbery and the people who commit. Yeah, that's them. true. That's true. There is like a whole. That's like a whole genre. You're right. Oh, it totally there is. The highwayman came riding. Yep. Like yep. that's a total shtick genre. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That checks. As somebody who reads a lot of historic romance, yes. Yes, it is. In 1834, Harrison Ainsworth, a uh, cool name, he includes Dick as a character in his novel, Rockwood. Ainsworth describes Dick riding through the night. His blood spins through his veins, winds round his heart, mount to his brain. Away, away, he is wild with joy. In 1846, Dick is still so popular that Marie Tussard adds a wax figure of him to her collection. Nah. Right? Yeah. This dude sucked, y'all. <laughs> um, all right. In 1906 and in 1922, two silent films are made, both named Dick Turpin's Last Ride to York. 
1922 film was thought to be lost to time. However, two reels from the film were discovered in 2003. Awesome. Yeah. In 1974, a comedic film called Carry On Dick is made. Nah. <laughs> From uh, 1979 to 1982, a British TV series called Dick Turpin airs. The show stars Richard O'Sullivan and Michael Deeks, and it ran for 27 episodes. And finally, Apple TV is actually planning on a Dick Turpin show starring Noelle Fielding, who is one of the hosts of Great British Bake Off. What the what? Right? Isn't that bizarre? He's also the one that does Old Greg. I'm Old Greg? Yeah. So Old Greg <laughs> is going to be Dick Turpin. <laughs> oh, man. Old Greg is a deep cut. That's a deep cut. I'm Old Greg. Yeah. So this guy is still like a cultural touchstone. Fucking... 250 years later. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm like, it is crazy. But yeah, I mean, he's I, he's a total douchebag. He did a lot of horrific stuff. Terrorized a lot of people. But man, there's still something so sexy about highway robbers. <laughs> I'm not gonna highway lie. Highway robbers are kind of hot. Okay. Not all highway robbers are hot. But all, but all the highway robbers are. <laughs> yeah, I like. I, somebody figure that out and get back to me. Right. I can't. I can't. Like, I have like dyscalculia on that for real. <laughs> I can't figure <laughs> that out. There's a really good poem. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a ton of poems, but um, there's a really good poem about the highwayman, like really famous one, and he climbs the. Or like his his kind of like a Romeo and Juliet slash um, Rapunzel type of setup, where like she's in a tower um, or like a window like high above the ground, and he has to get up to her, and it's like her hair, like the moon is shining in her black hair, and like she's secretly luring him in while basically at knife point from like the oh. guards trying to catch him. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It's a fucking beautiful poem, and I can't remember who it's by, just that it's like the highwayman can writing. Something like that. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, Dick Turpin and his smallpox marked face. They brought that up all the fucking time. <laughs> I mean, apparently it was a very, very distinctive feature. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, uh, it's The Highwayman by Lorena McKennett. And I don't know if, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the original, because I think it's based on a poem. I don't, I think it's, I don't know that she, that it's an original works, but. Yeah. She does a lot of Celtic she, music. Yeah, so it might be like an old-timey Irish poem. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. I'll definitely have to check yeah. that out. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, articles that helped with research this week. L. 
McKinnell wrote, The London pub still standing today where Dick Turpin had his last drink before being hanged for my London news. That's cool. You can go visit the White Hart still. Uh, Wikipedia. Derek Barlow wrote the book Dick Turpin in the Gregory Gang. Richard Bays wrote the book The Genuine History of the Life of Richard Turpin, The History of York, and The History Press. Hmm, that's a history. Yes. Oh, yeah, for this one. We went in the Wayback Machine for this one. Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for a, another Crazy Death Row meal. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Please rate and review us on wherever you're listening to us on. Death Row Kitchen can be found on social media, including Facebook at Death Row Kitchen, Twitter at Death Row Kitchen Pod, our Gmail account, deathrowkitchenpod at gmail.com, our threadless for all of your t-shirts needs, deathrowkitchen slash threadless.com, patreon.com slash deathrowkitchen if you want to toss us a couple of bones so that we don't have to resort to highway robbery. Please drop us a line. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of the episode. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future criminals, let us know what your last meal would be. And how you want to die. Absolutely. I am Nancy. I'm Drew. And this has been Death Row Kitchen. Death Row Kitchen. Just wanted to provide a quick shout out to Kevin McLeod for providing us with our theme, Half Mystery.